afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another Fifth Step webinar. Today, we're going to be talking about complex change and, in particular, about cloud migration. I'm very pleased to be joined today by uh, Mike Starnes and by uh, uh, Carl Heidendreich, um, who is actually calling in remotely. So, um, Carl will introduce you in just a moment. So, uh, just get ready to unmute. Um, today, we're going to be Oh, let me move the monitor on. There we go. Um, so I'm very pleased to be joined by Mike. Um, Hi. Mike is uh, here from Foundation IT. So Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so I head up client services within Foundation IT. I guess principally we're a infrastructure services business. We've been doing that for the best part of 20 years plus. So we've seen various waves of change in that in that time. Um, I've been involved in IT for the best part of 15 years, wearing many different hats. Um, it's, a, it's a delight to be here and uh, contribute to this webcast. Well, thanks very much. And uh, Carl, perhaps you could introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. My name is Carl Haydenrich. Um, I was the IT director at St. John Ambulance for many years, about uh, nine or 10, um, and took them to the cloud. Uh, and now I'm doing interim uh, CIO work and I'm currently at WWF UK. That's great, Carl. Thank you very much. Right, well, let's uh, let's make a start. Um, let's cover off some housekeeping. Um, we're recording this webinar, so any questions you ask, and we do really encourage you to ask uh, questions. You can ask them on the in the panel on the right hand side of the GoToWebinar um, uh, meeting application. There, um, we're recording it, so any. Uh, any questions you ask will be uh, rebroadcast, so do please uh, consider that if they're read out. The audio will be available on our podcast channel, so you can subscribe to that. The details are all there. And you'll be able to find the video at fifthstep.com forward slash videos. And these handouts will also be available as part of both the, uh, both the channels, whether it be audio or video as well. As I say at the bottom, please do ask questions throughout. Uh, we've got time at the end to answer any questions. Um, ask them as they occur to you. I will give you uh, prompts, as you can imagine. And for those of you who have attended before, you'll know the format. But do please ask them as you go along and as you think about them. And there are no silly questions. Um, you know, cloud is something that um, can be uh, complex to many organizations, can be challenging in various different ways. And what's challenging to you guys or to one of you may not necessarily be challenging to another, but it's those kinds of things we really want to try and help you with and um, you know, demyth some of this. So, Mike, um, why don't you tell us about or describe the different types of cloud and oh, the, some wow. of the definitions? Yeah, the, the all-encompassing term used to describe anything uh, nowadays. I think you make a good point that cloud is different things to different people. Um, I think taking it up to the very top level, I mean, my definition of, of cloud and cloud computing is leveraging the internet to consume applications or, or data. And there are some subcategories underneath that that sort of define cloud types or, or deployment models. So I think most people will be familiar with the, the concept of adding as a service after some component and yeah, starting off with probably one of the easier concepts of software as a service. We're, leveraging go to go to webinar go to meeting now which is uh, an example of software as a service effectively you're consuming an application via the via the web you know we we don't have a care in the world really for what hardware it's running on where the hardware is running 
No, generally we don't. We know that it's running on a server, right? But it is, um, um, to all intents and purposes, as long as we can connect and everyone can hear us, we, we're not really worried, are we? Yeah, and we're, and we're not updating that, that hardware either. Uh, the other end of the scale, I guess, consuming infrastructure as a service, whereby you've got core infrastructure, components, server, storage, networking, and you're consuming that typically on a pay-as-you-go basis over a internet connection. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and platform as a service, which is probably the harder of the three to, to define, whereby you're taking IaaS, um, very popular obviously with, with developers, you're layering on top of that some of the tools that they need to deploy applications. Mm -hmm. So it could be middleware, could be databases, could be an operating system that they can spend more time coding and far less time worrying about whether the infrastructure is patched or not. Yeah. Um, so if, if we were to summarize that or to give some examples of that for, for people who are not familiar with these terms, hmm. um, software as a service, uh, we gave the example of um, you know, go to uh, go to webinar that webinar. we're using at the moment. Salesforce.com, yeah, Office 365. Great. Uh, to some extent. Examples of infrastructure as a service. Are there many? Um, you know, obviously, uh, to me, that means uh, things like uh, um, Amazon uh, Web Services, mm. AWS, and things like that. But for the for the non-technical people, there's not going to be examples of that because that tends to be hidden behind the scenes. It, it does. There are lots of businesses offering infrastructure as a service, um, and there are different flavors of that. You get public cloud services, and I think this is a segue into to kind of the, the, the next slide, I guess. But... Uh, Microsoft obviously have their Azure offering, Amazon with Amazon Web Services, you've got Google Cloud, um, they're examples of infrastructure as a service. Mm. You've got other organizations that are providing niche infrastructure which can be consumed by um, certain industries or, or, or perhaps they don't want to utilize public um, uh, cloud services and it's more of a private infrastructure as a service. Mm. Um, they're paying as they go for potentially dedicated hardware as opposed yep. to uh, publicly multi-tenanted hardware. All right, well, you've um, you've set everyone up for the excitement of the next slide, so let's, uh, let's see what we've got here. It's almost like that was rehearsed. Wasn't uh, almost. It, it, it wasn't. It no, it wasn't. wasn't. <laughs> it was like it was, though, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess deployment types, and there are a few of these. Um, as you say, Amazon Web Services, um, Microsoft Azure are providing a very open platform for people to rock up with a credit card, go to a, a web portal and allocate themselves a server, some storage, and more or less have free reign to do as they please with those resources. Um, uh, hybrid cloud uses typically a combination of on-premise hardware, sometimes um, private cloud infrastructure and indeed public cloud to kind of give a, a mix of different platforms, often labeled as hybrid yeah. cloud. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's, it's probably the most prominent cloud model that we see today with, within our yeah. kind of community of, of, of clients, simply because most of them haven't moved everything to one cloud platform. We find there are several. Um, and uh, you know, outside of that, you've got private cloud, which tends to be dedicated to an organization that could be hosted by the organization themselves, or it could indeed be a third party providing that, but ultimately it's, it's dedicated to that one organization. Mm -hmm. Community cloud is the other one we've got up on screen there, which is yeah, not something that I personally had a huge amount of exposure to, but 
clearly it's it's becoming a more prominent area because you know effectively the definition of that is you've got organizations with mutual interests um, it could be that they're utilizing the same application it could be they need access to the same data mm -hmm. and they're leveraging a single cloud platform to gain access or collaborate on mm -hmm. that platform very prominent within higher education yes of course. Uh, uh, local government but you've also got life sciences and uh, financial services organizations yes. leveraging the same type of, of, of cloud model. So, you know, there's lots of, of sub-definitions there under, under cloud, and I think it articulates the point that it can mean different things to different people, and it's also complex. <laughs> yeah, it's very, yeah, it is. But I think what we've, um, you know, our, our aim there was to demystify some of those terms for people who are not familiar with them, mm. um, and to try and give some examples, and hopefully we've, We've done that. Hopefully, we've uh, we've you know we've demystified some of it at the very least and put some examples to the um, to the names. Okay, so we've we sort of prefixed or subtitled this webinar as complex change and that cloud is complex change. So I thought we'd put in a definition um, about what complex change is. It can mean very different things to different organizations, but this is a fairly generic and general definition. And it's one that may be useful um, for certain people in certain organizations to, to, to just use as a guide. You know, are we dealing with something that should be considered as complex change and therefore it's higher risk? Or is it something that's um, not defined as complex risk, but it's still um, complex to our organization uh, for whatever reason? So. Usually we say that uh, a complex change involves at least two of the following things. Um, business processes or changes to business processes and or the ways of working. Uh, changes to an individual's role. So we're talking about um, the actual work that an individual does. That may be through a business process. It may even be that um, some people are moved on to completely different roles, uh, that their role no longer exists as it has done because a system is going to replace that. Organizational change, um, so that can mean moving uh, people around. It can be meaning uh, changes of uh, target operating model or, or financial structure of the organization, things like that. And it can involve critical system implementation or indeed the replacement of a critical system as well. So within cloud, you've got many of those. Depending on the system that you're implementing, you've certainly got organizational change. There are certainly aspects there where, uh, where the organization and the culture of the organization has to get behind this movement. And you're obviously changing a critical system and implementing or replacing a critical system, or very often you are. And that may also uh, mean that you've got individual roles that are changing as well. So the, the way that a person uh, performs a role or indeed whether they perform that role at all may change or may not exist. Carl, have you got anything to add to that, to that uh, conversation specifically or that definition? Is there anything else that you might add in there? Um, in terms of complex change, I mean, you know, it, it is just another change program moving to cloud. But it's um, it's a technology that people are you know some well, less less and less now, but you know was quite new and and so it made it look scarier. But I think what you've defined there in terms of what complex change is, um, it, it directly falls into this because moving to the cloud for us certainly changed people's roles, changed some business processes because we did SaaS as well. Mm -hmm. um, the organizational change piece came in there, so we actually had. Well, almost all of those because we also changed you know our critical systems um some of them and all the at least the platform they were running on so no you know you've covered it off there 
Great stuff. Mike, anything else that you'd add um, to complex <clears throat> change or a definition? Or have you seen any examples of complex change for cloud that have perhaps fallen outside of those categories? I don't, I don't think so. I think the, the, the prominent point from the definition is, is how many of those will impact people mm. um, and how, Absolutely how right. much of a, a, um, both an enabler and a blocker they can be um, to, to, to complex change. But all of those resolve around to some extent, people, and uh, I think that's absolutely right. Great stuff. Okay. Now, this is a question that I think we've probably all been asked um, at one point in time or another, to varying degrees of um, hilarity to begin with. Um, you know, in the in the in the old days of cloud, um, but. Even today, more seriously, um, we have people asking, well, why would, why would I go to the cloud? I've got my nice shiny server with the bright flashing lights um, on the front, so why would I go to cloud? Now, Carl, in your experience with um, St. John's Ambulance, um, talk us through some of the decision-making process there around why you ultimately decided to go for cloud because when you were very first looking at this you were thinking of it as more of a traditional refresh absolutely yeah we were um you know going down the route of looking at all the servers we need to replace the uh disaster recovery center that we need to duplicate everything in uh we were doing a desktop refresh at the same time as well as the delivery of our applications which at the time uh most of them most of the core applications were being delivered using citrix so we had our, our own sort of old-fashioned local private cloud to a degree but it was you know it required a lot of watering the maintenance was huge um, it distracted the team a lot so while i was going through that process there were a lot of you know conferences i was going to where the cloud was obviously being mentioned by uh the marketeers especially and the salespeople, um and uh you know talking to more and more it directors that were sort of going well this this thing might be good you know it might we might be able to use this and then actually speaking to some trusted partners and seeing how it really works getting a better feel for it i thought this is something i really do need to explore more seriously it's not just marketing hype and i mean i'm talking about you know i think it was 2010 2011 when i really started this this journey yeah. and and looking into it so back then there was a lot of smoke and mirror type stuff as you can imagine um so it, it required a lot of looking into but i i i kind of had a belief that this was where it was going and and um stuck with it but you're right we very much were going to go down the traditional refresh route um but I'm sure we'll get into a lot more, you know, of the reasons later on. But it was really about freeing up my team, freeing myself up uh, from running all that sort of commodity IT that required a lot of time and reactive time. Um, so yeah. Yep. Now, the other panel on this um, this presentation uh, page that we've got here at the moment is uh, the cloud is well established. Now, again, to those of us who are close to the cloud and to some of the software as a service applications and uh, you know some of the applications that are really quite mature out there this may seem like a very obvious statement but it's not obvious to everyone and i still speak to to cios and and to business leaders who are very nervous about uh, the cloud uh, about the security of the cloud in some respects but mm -hmm. you know i think we you know we all need to um you know everyone here from the cio downwards needs to be um, helping their organization understand the security of the cloud and and uh, that it is well established and that it is something that warrants our investigation at the very least. 
um, as we go, as we talk about later on, it's not always you know the best solution, but it's one that should always be considered. Mike, have yeah. you come across any scenarios where organisations are, um, are nervous of the cloud or don't feel it's well enough established for their environment? Absolutely. Um, I think cloud can be a very divisive subject within key stakeholders. You've got some that are absolutely pro-cloud and others that are that are anti-cloud for various reasons. Security being absolutely one of those reasons. Um, cost being uh, another in mm. terms of the interpretation of, of cost. Um, I think some people see it as a, um, a, a risk in terms of single points of failure and that type of thing. And I think it's about understanding what cloud is to that individual that individual organization how it can help them but we, we we're still seeing organizations performing traditional refreshes um, sometimes because they're nervous about cloud and they don't understand it well enough to take that leap of faith and, mm -hmm. and it's just the wrong timing for them yes I think we also see it as well they're genuinely not ready to make that that, that leap thus they're going through what they consider to be their final refresh as the platform to move to cloud yep. or aspects to to, to cloud but it's a very divisive subject. I mean, being really, really bold about this, and this is just an opinion, Darren, so don't shoot me down for it. But of course, I, I, I can definitely see parallels with what cloud computing is, is doing with aspects of what we went through during the Industrial Revolution, whereby we've got uh, you know, factories generating their own power to perform whatever business tasks that they were performing, um, making widgets or, or what have you. Um, you know, ultimately, applications and what they sit on is, is sort of today's power alongside mm. people to drive businesses forward. And I, I generally see, and this may not be for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, a point where we're consuming all of this stuff as a utility or, or as a service and people won't worry about what piece of tin it's running on in the background. But we're not there yet um, and there's certainly lots of pushback from people um, and business for lots of reasons around why cloud. Now that's a, that's a point that we've come back to a couple of times and I'll just highlight it, but we will talk about it some more undoubtedly. But what we're really saying here is that the transition to cloud isn't a pure IT project. The, the implementation is an IT uh, project, of course, but the, the persuasion and the creation of the business case is actually far more people orientated and persuasion orientated. And I think that's why some sure. organizations have found it more difficult than others and why some organizations are still very much cautious about uh, the cloud and, uh, and concerned that uh, the security may not be right yeah. or it's not right for them. And there's nothing magic about it, right? I mean, it, it, this stuff is still sat on a server somewhere. Well, that's right. That's <laughs> and, and consuming storage, it's, it's the same. It's just a different delivery model. That's right, and uh, that's um, that's sometimes amazing to non-technical people as well because they, you know, they hear the term the cloud, they don't really know what that means. <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, we all understand, of course, that it's sitting on a server somewhere and sitting on storage. Good. Um, so these were some of the arguments and some of the discussions or some of the the benefits um, of why cloud. And Carl, why don't you run through a couple and then, um, you know, Mike, perhaps you can explain a couple and I'll. Do some as well, and then we'll we'll see how far we get. So, Carl, why don't you uh, pick off uh, your favourite? Uh, um, sure. Off the top? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the, the you know this definitely came into my list when we were going to move into the cloud, and I think one of the big ones for us was improved backup and disaster recovery. Um, you know, backups for the number of servers and complex applications that we have. 
uh, it was just proving to take up a huge amount of time in my team and we couldn't you know hand on heart always say that everything was always backed up 100% the way that it should have been um, and that that was you know definitely keeping us awake at night and consuming a huge amount of energy and, and disaster recovery almost equally in the same boat um, you know it, it often depends on the size of your estate and the complexity and so on and so forth so it might not be for everybody but that was definitely a big driver for us that it was just consuming time for this insurance policy basically you know so I was just like, well, wow, if we can, you know, give that to somebody else and they can prove to us over and over again that it's always working, um, that's fantastic. We can worry about running the applications rather than actually, you know, if the application goes down or the server's gone, can we get it back? So that was that was a big one for us. And then for me personally, um, that free IT to increase business value was uh, another of my top two, if I have to choose two here, um, because it, you know, traditionally IT, as much as we would want to get involved in all the cool digital stuff that the rest of the business was wanting to do or doing as shadow IT, we couldn't because we had to keep all the tin running. We had to make sure all the cables were plugged in. We had to make sure the storage wasn't falling over. We had to make sure the emails were flowing. You know, instead, we could have been doing things like um, coming up with new apps within the business, uh, helping them get the most out of the applications that they already had, helping them integrate their data, helping them get value out of the systems they've got or, you know, working in a partnership to find new ways of working. So freeing my team up and myself up to be able to do that was hugely important to me rather than being the guys that were keeping the lights on. Uh, on the tin because that's not bringing any business value. It's like Mike said, you know, plugging something into an electrical socket to get power isn't where the value is. The value is in the thing that you're powering. And that's the transition that I wanted to make. Fantastic, Carl. That's um, really good points. And Mike, why don't you um, cover off uh, um, two, two or three, if you like, but um, sure. do, do a couple. Well, as, as Carl's stolen my favorite too, I'll, I'll <laughs> I, I, I think I think the, um, promise of, of cloud and the way that I think Carl's already mentioned it's it's been sold in marketing I, I think that you know is people have done a very good job of, of that but the reality is that when you look at uh, the, the prospect of unlimited compute and storage or at least the ability to have a pool of elastic um, compute and storage which you uh, you know pay for what you consume um, at least that the theory behind it, pay for what you use, switch it off when you don't need it, et cetera, et cetera, is, is very appealing. And I think the, the point uh, a couple of about it being constantly upgraded, I think, is, is, is also an interesting one because I think that those organizations going through traditional refreshes now are still having to predict more or less five years into the future what their business might look like. I mean, how do they know what acquisitions might be around, around the corner, what they might have to absorb in that time, how um, their client base might grow in that time and what they might need? It's, it's almost an impossible question to, to answer. So you're paying for stuff that you potentially don't need in that time. Um, and in three years time, when the next hot technology comes out, you're, you're outdated. So how do, you, how do you deal with that? And that's kind of some of the stuff that we see in terms of being able to pay for what you need, um, not be worried about sort of scaling up and scaling down because you've got the resources there to do so and knowing you're sort of always on the latest and greatest platform in, in theory um, uh, is I think a massive headache away from both procurement and IT teams generally. 
I'd agree, and I think I think you've um, started to air there into the area of one of my favourite ones on this list, which is an enabler for business-focused IT. Mm. Um, I think that's a you know very much a um, a big thing that organisations don't understand is necessarily going to be a benefit initially because it not only does it free them uh, free people up as um, as Carl's already said, but it enables the business to be um, the IT side of the business to be more focused on the production uh, capabilities of the business and to be more business focused and more business aware. Mm. Um, I also like the fact that the performance levels are, um, we've put it in here, you know, in quotes, always achievable. Now they are always achievable, but that's obviously at a price. Um, they can be achievable as well with, you know, with, um, with on-premise tin, of course they can. Uh, but that also comes at a price, but it does mean that they're far more likely to be achievable um, at a potentially more reasonable price. But as we talk about soon, um, it's not always about uh, uh, being cheaper, but the options are there for you to be able to uh, deal with that. Consumer grade IT. Now, I blame Apple completely for this, um, <laughs> even though I've got my, uh, my iPhone and my iPad sit, um, sitting here. Um, I blame Apple for this because prior to Apple, if you remember back into those um, dim and distant uh, past, you know, before the iPhone, um, executives were more than happy, in fact, very pleased to have a BlackBerry and they'd have the BlackBerry that the CIO um, you know, mandated or had authorized. And they were very happy with that. And then along came Apple and they said, well, you know, this isn't really for the enterprise. This is for you as an individual. And they suddenly made uh, consumer IT really cool and powerful and far more powerful than enterprise IT. It suddenly mm. leapfrogged mm. over. Mm. So consumer grade IT and consumer grade services and cloud services, yeah. I think are really important. Absolutely. Yeah. Really I'll just jump in on that. I was that was that was going to be my third one if I could have a third <laughs> because you know sorry Mike I'm stolen your thunder but I'll use I'm going to relay uh, to you anyway Carl it's fine <laughs> our, our users were getting really fed up with enterprise IT which used to be the latest and greatest compared to what you could afford at home but like you say you know Apple and others came along and changed that on and turned it on its head especially with apps and the app ecosystem um, and if enterprises couldn't keep up people would come into the business and be like what are you using I have to I have to log on where and I, I'm tied to this desk and I have to use this old app that you know etc cetera, etc cetera. whereas things like Mike's mentioned Salesforce is a pretty good example of one of the really early ones. You know, they were one of the first proper enterprise apps that had um, an app on the App Store that you know you could work at your desk on a desktop, but you could also have this cool consumer type app on your phone as a salesperson or whatever out on the road. And um, that's really powerful, I think, for your user base. You're right, Carl. Uh, yeah, I think we're all in uh, in violent agreement on that. Um, the, the last one on the list that we've, that we've sort of covered uh, in the previous slide is the improved security. Um, many people will cite an improved security. In fact, I was talking to someone the other day who was on site with uh, Microsoft um, in, the, in their Azure data center, and um, they were talking about the levels of security that were available within that data center and talking about how it was unachievable for a normal enterprise to aim to achieve that level of um, 
sophistication, but sophistication of the type uh, where they're actually monitoring um, the movement of people around the racks and in the corridors that run between the racks um, and all that kind of stuff. So they're actually monitoring movement and saying if someone stops for too long, um, and what is too long they define, but if they stop for too long, um, then that's actually uh, flagged as a warning. You know, is someone doing something they shouldn't be doing? Are they still mm. supposed to be there? That kind of level of sophistication isn't something that most enterprises have in their, their server closet, um, you know, where they're still running. Yeah. Yeah. So, there aren't many businesses that can uh, put a data center under the, the sea either, is that it? Yeah. No, absolutely, yeah. So you've got those kinds of examples. <laughs> Okay, let's um, let's talk about some of the myths, and um, without infringing any copyright of any American TV programs, let's um, let's do some myth busting um, <laughs> around uh, around um, cloud myths. So, um, Carl, why don't you um, why don't you cover off um, um, the the uh, the first three of these, and then Mike, you cover the uh, the next three, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, sure. Carl, over to you. Sure. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of the early days, all the salespeople were telling us how cloud would be cheaper. Um, you'll save so much money, you can spin it up and off and down and up and whatever you want, and it'll always be cheaper. Um, uh, more recently, especially the people that are maybe more reticent about moving to the cloud, say it's definitely more expensive. No matter what you do, the calculations will always come out higher. Uh, my experience at St. John of moving to the cloud was actually, and and I sort of put in my business case, so I'm very glad it turned out this way, was that it worked out roughly the same over the period that we depreciated our hardware, which was three years. I also did a five-year plan and it worked out, again, pretty much the same. You know, you, you can't be exact, but when you take in the power to run the data center, um, the cost of the hardware refreshes, the support uh, um, uh, contracts you have for all of that stuff, the management of it. And then the things that we didn't actually quantify into a number uh, was the management time. So not just the management of the servers, but the management of the people that would run this, the servers and the systems that you would have on-prem, as well as the management time lost. So for instance, in you know my role, CIO, IT director, in terms of dealing with uh, you know, if there's a, a P1 or major incident that has to get escalated up or, you know, it, there's just so many other things that we didn't quantify, but we knew would add to it, which in the end really made it kind of a cost neutral exercise for us. And my line in the business case, which I think I've shared with you, Mike, uh, that I, th I think you liked was we weren't doing it to... Uh, what was it I'm trying to remember now? I just said I've told you. Um, it, we weren't doing it to save money. We were doing it for the same money to get better IT. So, you know, mm. what you said about security, um, Darren, is so true. We couldn't achieve, you know, the, the security levels that we did in the cloud locally. So we were spending roughly the same amount on security, but the cloud made it so much more affordable that our security was better. You know, so that's just one example. But basically, we were getting better IT for the same money. And our users agreed when I left St. John. You know, a lot of people said to me, the IT here is so good, it just works. We come in in the morning and we work, you know, which is a huge thing. You, you, people assume IT should just work, but it's never that easy. So that that was brilliant. Um, and uh, zero management. Mm. 
that's a, a definite no. So while it reduces our management time for the on-prem stuff, you know, it still requires management. You've still got to look after your spend. You've got to make sure it doesn't get out of control. You know, the kind of things that happened when uh, virtualization first came ar around with server bloats and everybody just, yeah, we'll just have another virtual machine for this and for that. And, you know, similar things in the cloud, as well as managing the tenancy around the security settings, the, you know, loads of things like that. So it's not a zero management platform it doesn't take everything away what it does is make sure that all the things that are you know commoditized and don't make a difference to your business like the tin it, that's gone so um yeah that's Great. pretty much it for me thanks carl um mike you cover off uh, the next three for us yeah sure and, and, and if i may across all, all of these i think that kind of further um, goes to show how divisive cloud can be. Because I've seen all of these statements in uh, in articles, and I've, I've certainly heard them as well. From a security perspective, you, you've you've touched upon some of this already, Darren. About um, a cloud provider's investment in um, physical security around the the data centers, et cetera, et cetera, mm. they're, they're hosting. Um, ultimately, um, cloud can be um, as secure as you want it to be. You've got the, the, the benefit of having uh, an organization's investment in the physical security and all the other bits they do around, whether it be fingerprint scanning and retina scanning and all that type of stuff to actually get into to the physical uh, um, building. But then um, the protection of data typically still in, in, in a lot of instances remains responsibility of client. Mm -hmm. um, and you can make that secure otherwise as, as you you wish it to be um, there, there's no one size fits all from a security perspective in terms of the layers of security that you, you can then apply so i think there are lots of people that think that moving to, to cloud is going to be more secure there are others that think it's going to be less secure it's a it's a risk the reality is it's it's another platform that you need to think about okay how are we going to secure the data who has access to it it that is ultimately something that needs thinking about and scenarios can be different. And that doesn't really change, does it? Whether you're in cloud or no. you're on-premise, you still have to think about things that way. So what we're actually saying is this, the statement of whether it's more secure or less secure, it's actually an organizational uh, thing more than it's cloud because it may be more secure, maybe less secure if you don't treat it Agreed. and don't, uh, don't deal with it in the right ways. Uh, absolutely. And the, um, this one here, the cloud's always the right 100% right, uh, yeah, 100% cloud is always the right strategy, right? Yeah, absolutely. You should go all in. Absolutely. Yeah. No, not necessarily. <laughs> no. I, I, I think um, uh, every scenario is is slightly different. I mean, I, I think actually, um, Carl, uh, what you did with, with SGA, which is more or less 100% uh, cloud, in my experience, is, is fairly unique. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that's not to say there aren't other organizations that have done it and done it successfully, um, but um, I, I think there are certain instances where cloud doesn't always make sense. Organizations with very steady state infrastructure that um, are going to be running the same things for a period of time, they may decide that actually, well, that doesn't make sense to move to, 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 to cloud. It doesn't make commercial sense, it make business sense. Of course, they may be running legacy applications which can't make the jump to, to cloud, which means they need to keep some stuff yep. in, in, in house. That's a very good point. So I, I, I think every scenario we kind of come across tends to be slightly different. In some instances, they're going cloud first, 100% into the cloud. That's where we want to kind of go. It's kind of taking that back a step and saying, okay, 
where are you today, where are you trying to get to and what the steps to, to, to get there and that will sort of define the strategy. Yeah. Okay, and the last one on the list here is um, our data is in the cloud, um, so we're safe. Well, that sort of implies you don't need to have any uh, disaster recovery or business continuity considerations just because you're in the cloud. Now, I would always recommend organisations to um, to make sure they are taking responsibility for their own future and their own data in that respect. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, and we've seen some quite major organisations change direction and to um, you know either enable new functionality, which perhaps makes a a product inappropriate or indeed to disable functionality which means that uh, you know uh, it's no longer appropriate for organizations so make sure that you've got your capability you can take your data with you and that you are also backing up your data and keeping it safe and that you're not just relying on the constant availability of of the same cloud application it's fine to back up to the cloud of course mm. but just change devices or change uh, cloud platforms if you're going to do that really good really good point and i think you have to go into these things with your eyes open a little bit because you take a platform like azure um yes it's replicated across three different places but um that 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 place could be the same rack unless you click the right button to say yep. you know, put it across multiple racks so if they take that rack down yeah you may be losing out data yeah if there's a change that an individual makes to uh, uh, you know, a piece of data that, that you're kind of, kind of consuming and can't reverse that change, then you're, you're in a bit of trouble. Yeah, absolutely agree. Okay, um, cloud blockers. And we, we're going to talk about this one um, a little bit uh, quickly, just run through this one. Um, but there are, are a number of people um, or groups within any organization that's going through a, a transition to the cloud who will have concerns. Now, the IT team may sound like a strange one, but very often they can be one of the parts or one of the blockers uh, within an organization because the teams have uh, extensive experience and expertise within the current environment. Some of them will have expertise in cloud as well, of course, but they can if you're not careful or if you're not explaining it to them and explaining how their roles evolve and their uh, jobs evolve and that it does actually free them up to do the bigger and better things that actually add more value to the business, they can actually get caught in the loop of, well, my job's going away, I have expertise in on-premise stuff, this is all going cloud, this is all new to me, I don't understand it. So make sure that you're dealing with those kinds of concerns and recognizing those concerns, particularly within your IT team. And you know, we've already spoken about those who are nervous about security and privacy. Um, you know, make sure that you're understanding and recognizing all the different vectors there. And as you know, the tips suggest on the right-hand side, recognize and plan for those, um, those concerns, um, address the concerns, address them head on, um, train and educate and repeat, because it won't be heard necessarily the first time. You may have to say it a number of times, and you may have to hold a number of different sessions to help people get used to this change um, in the way that they're gonna be working, or indeed the way that the organization is evolving. So a cloud solution assessment all sounds very, uh, um, you know, very useful, very uh, a very high tech solution to what we're what we're going to do. So um, Carl, why don't you talk about um, some aspects of this, and then uh, Mike and I'll um, I'll switch in and out on some of this stuff as well. But if there's some certain aspects there that you wanted to draw upon in terms of how 
for uh, St John's Ambulance, you went through this kind of process. Sure, yeah. So that that first block really is, um, you know, about what does the business need from IT at the bare minimum, at that level that you're looking at. So we were looking at, you know, mainly infrastructure as a service and, and things like that. So I was talking to, you know, trusted partners, as you mentioned there, about, well, this is how we need to run our PCI platforms for payment cards or, you know, these are the health records that we need to process and, you, you know, regulatory requirements. Um, banks, for instance, you know, there are going to be business uh, requirements that aren't IT, they aren't about how flexible, how much can we scale, how fast can we do this, they're actually about the data or the process. So that's really important to get up front because some of those could be absolute showstoppers. Um, so that that's absolutely vital at the start. <clears throat> um, the assessment criteria there, you're starting to head more into the, you know, what can IT give to the business? So the flexibility piece for us was about being able to burst um, uh, when needed for campaigns and things like that, but also for changing, you know, we started to reduce the number of servers that we actually needed because we were moving more and more to SaaS. So we also wanted to have the flexibility to go down, you know, which is really important from a steady state. So not just burst and back, but actually steady state and down. Um, so, you know, that those those um, criteria have to be really well defined and you just think about what am I doing now? What do I want to do in the future? What are the things that I'm really struggling with at the moment? Um, and, you know, that, that you start to build up your requirements log basically from those business, business requirements, those IT requirements, those things that are your pain points. And, you know, it's almost like if I had a magic wand, what would I want my infrastructure to be able to do? And you know, start from there, or it's not always going to be realistic, um, but that's important uh, to, to really nail down those requirements up front. I know it's something that's said at every uh, outset of every procurement process or program, but it's absolutely vital to make sure you get the right cloud platform, because while it's relatively easy to move around compared to, you know, old-fashioned on-prem IT, it's still uh, a painful process um, if you get it wrong, especially. Um, yeah, and that's very true, Carl, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the cloud models that Mike mentioned earlier around, you know, it could go private. So it is sort of basically an on-prem version. Uh, it's not wrong. It could be that you can't take it out of your, your control to that extent. Um, and also don't necessarily think about just doing an IaaS move. So for instance, you know, we did that because we had some real drivers around hardware refresh requirements and failing hardware. We did a sort of lift and shift for the majority of our infrastructure, but you could also go straight to SaaS for something. You know, you might have an on-prem CRM system at the moment and your move to cloud could be going to Salesforce. So, you know, there's, there's uh, lots of different ways to get into the cloud. There are lots of different models that might suit you better. It depends on you know, what your drivers are, your time scales, your depreciation or lease periods. So, you know, a lot of those things um, uh, need to be taken into consideration. Um, and uh, I definitely would say using trusted partners is important because you'll probably only move to the cloud once. You might move around in the cloud, but, you know, you're only going to do it once or, or uh, in a phased approach, certainly. So to build up all the skills and experience and have that knowledge and history behind you as a single organization is, is extremely difficult, if not often impossible. 
Um, so you do need to draw on other people's experience to to really get uh, the most out of it and to make sure that you aren't putting yourself and your organization um, at too much risk. All good points and well explained actually, Carl. I think that's um, um, uh, that's really, um, really good. Great, thanks. Now, we've spoken about uh, making the business case for cloud and um, Carl, you spoke about this earlier on and you know, one of the challenges is often exactly what you described that as, um, you know, that um, what we're actually going to do is um, provide better IT for roughly the same money. And that's, you know, that's phenomenal. That can be a benefit in itself. Of course it can, because you're getting something better and it's going to be roughly the same money with all the challenges there. But in trying to define that and uh, build out a business case, there are a number of things to remember and include. And some things, these are things that are very often overlooked when organizations are looking at what the total cost of ownership is for particular systems. So bear these in mind as you're going through your the creation of your business case or the definition of your business case for any move to cloud. So the, include the total cost of ownership of the existing solution. So make sure you're including, you know, the engineers are doing the patching and, uh, you know, the replacement of the servers. That's probably fairly obvious, you know, any software licensing. But it tends to be the, the hidden time of how much time people in, actually end up having to spend working on this system in the background that gets forgotten or gets glossed over because, well, they're, uh, they're an assumed cost. We've got those guys already. Mm. So make sure that you're, you're considering Go ahead, Carl. Sorry, Darren, I didn't mean to jump in there. I just, one, one of the key ones that actually a lot of people forget about is electricity. You know, it's such a simple thing, you overlook it, but the power to run your servers is then almost doubled again to cool them. So, you know, uh, the more servers you get rid of, the less cooling you need. Uh, that, that calculation needs to go in, and for us, it was tens of thousands a year, um, yeah. at least. Yeah, good, um, yeah, good, um, good extra point there. There's also, um, one of the things that's overlooked is the cost of running an older technology or solution. Now, I know organizations in financial services for paying um, tens of thousands, in some instances, much more than that, of pounds just to maintain an old version, an out-of-date out version of a system because they need to pay additional maintenance to keep that up and running. And But they feel that it's cheaper than them migrating to the next version or migrating to a cloud version or something like that. So some organizations are willing to pay for that. That's fine, but make sure that you're considering the costs and the potential opportunity costs because there is very often cost of doing nothing. So think about that in your considerations. It may help you build your business case if you can actually demonstrate some of those things. And in the last uh, point in terms of our things to remember, um, think about the alignment with uh, the strategy. Um, the cloud is most definitely an enabler and the benefits and uh, agility and scalability. So. If your organization has a strategy to double in size in the next um, you know, two years, let's say, let's make it relatively aggressive. Um, what does that mean? How are you actually going to be able to do that? Well, cloud is an enabler for that. And if you are able to justify the, the transition to cloud on the basis of being strategically aligned with business requirements, um, then that's a really good um, you know, additional aspect to your, to your business case. Absolutely.
Now, we've included this. Um, this is a very high level. Um, this is very much just a, you know, a picture of what um, some aspects of a cloud program may include, and others will include other things. But the, the real idea here is that this is, you know, you've got a complex program of work here, and you know, some of these things will run in parallel. Some of them will be streams of their own, um, of their own making, et cetera, et cetera. But um, the idea is here, you're going to have people running this. You're going to have project and program managers who are going to be involved in actually making sure this is running for time and that things are getting done in the right order at the right time and things aren't getting lost or missed or dropped. And I've included um, the nice big uh, arrow there with the, the repeat cycle around the implementation because very often you will be going backwards and forwards around those cycles and particularly the communication aspect. Um, as I uh, suggested earlier on, in the hints and tips, you need to be communicating frequently and often, not only what your status is and that you're on track and that you're moving over and how that's going to affect people, but actually um, you know, making sure that people know that the project is still ongoing, don't disappear into a black hole for, you know, for a year and then uh, come back out, you know, just as everyone's transitioned over to Office 365 and, um, you know, they're all a bit confused as to why they've, uh, they need to change outlook all of a sudden. So um, this is perhaps a useful um, slide for some people just to understand or present the complexity to, uh, to business sponsors. Um, uh, but I think it has some good things in there as um, as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's a vital slide there. The change piece you mentioned, I can't stress enough. Um, the technical piece, obviously, is what it is. But the change piece, you know, we had a change manager on the program full time, and she dealt with both the change in the IT team and in the organisation uh, that will be using the new systems, and it was absolutely vital. Yeah, uh, yeah that, all good points from good reinforcement, Carl. Thank you. Now, I'll just give a quick reminder. If you've got any questions, if there's anything that uh, um, that uh, you don't think we've covered in enough detail or you, that uh, is specific to your scenario, do please make sure to ask questions um, in the app. It's just on the right-hand side there. So ask away, and we'll uh, cover those uh, questions off in the next um, 10 minutes or so. So, Carl, um, some of the challenges around um, cloud implementation, and perhaps perhaps some that you that you experienced during your most recent implementation. But do you want to walk us through uh, these uh, these five points um, on this slide? Sure. Yeah. So. These are very much the, the technical implementation side. Um, we've obviously touched on change, which I think is as if not more important, but um, this side of things, so IS um, and DAS is is what we did. So we moved to infrastructure as a service and desktop as a service primarily with Office 365 for software as a service. Um, and network configuration on the IS side and the DAS side was absolutely, um, you know, just much bigger than we ever expected. The DAS side, fortunately, was largely managed by the implementation partner we worked with, but the IS side, you know, it was our servers, our infrastructure, and we had to do a lot more configuration and implementation on virtual networks, uh, software-defined networks, and so on, than we ever expected. So, you know, for anybody thinking about it, make sure you've got a really hot network partner to work with or the skills in-house that you know you can really rely on to do that. So that caught us out quite a bit and that that introduced a lot of delay. Um, and then just some really specific kind of 
uh, application layer stuff. So the next two points you could always join together. SharePoint was just a really good example for us where we had a, a SQL cluster running for our SharePoint farm. Um, and the migration tools that we were using, we found out at the very last minute, couldn't migrate a SQL cluster. So we had to break the cluster and change the farm and you know that introduced delays. And that's the sort of application dependencies piece uh, a little bit as well. So not just the applications that users use and how they need to integrate and how that data needs to flow and therefore when all these connected systems need to move or you know ensure you have network connectivity between, but even the layer below, um, make sure you understand those dependencies with whatever tools you might be using to move or what you're moving to. Just you know, really check all those dependencies. I know it sounds pretty obvious, and we thought we had it all sewn up, but it's uh, it can catch you out still sometimes. Um, and legacy applications, you know, it, it's just a lead on into that. You've got to make sure that the new platform you're moving to can support and run those legacy applications. Don't assume anything just because it says it's you know can support Windows Server X, Y, and Z version that it's the same version that you might use because the cloud versions are often slightly different. Um, so yeah, just really understand your application uh, architecture, really understand the versions, um, nail down in writing as much as possible with everybody what can and can't run. Um, and yeah, get that all really clear in your mind before you, you press any buttons. That last point you made there, Carl, that is a really good and often overlooked um, point in, in cloud migrations that sometimes the cloud versions um, are not necessarily the same versions that you're using. You know, they may be based on the enterprise versions of software that you've not previously been using, and there can be some slight configuration differences in that migration. Yeah. Very often, your cloud provider, um, you know, if it's um, you know Microsoft uh, that you're working with uh, for you know a SQL migration or something like that, you know, they may be after offer some help and support depending on the the nature of your relationship with them. But do make sure that you're that you are considering and planning for that uh, need to cover that cover that off as part of your cloud migration. Don't just assume, oh, okay, it says it's version X, we're version X2, um, we're good to go. Just um, you know, mm. make sure that's ticked off exactly as Carl said. Really good advice, Carl, and uh, so very often overlooked. Cheers. Okay, so um, Cheers. our next slide. Um, some of the pre-start considerations and. Um, Carl, this is a this is a, a really good um, list that um, that you put together as part of your um, SJA, SJA um, engagement. So, why don't you walk us through some of the some of the uh, the thinking behind this, and then we're going to um, run into uh, questions. We've got a few questions uh, that have been asked by the audience, so we're going to ask some of those. But if there's anyone with any other questions, please do ask them now. Carl, over to you. Great, thanks, Darren. So we've touched on quite a lot of this. So looking at the time, I'm not going to spend a, a huge amount on each one. And if people want to ask questions afterwards about you know detail, that's great. But the business case, I think we've touched on a lot of that go, uh, in previous slides and, and chats. Um, you know, just really know why you move into the cloud. Don't do it because all your friends are doing it. <laughs> um, and uh, and and really make sure it's going to meet your business needs and requirements and you know don't jump headlong into it um, and understand your costs your total costs really well to make sure that it's you know it is going to cost what you think um, it's quite difficult to actually calculate what it will be to run something in the cloud quite often and again partners are you know they've got a lot of tools to actually help you with that nowadays and I think there might be some good ones directly from Microsoft too now but certainly when we were doing it it was quite a difficult thing 
Um, the plan, technical and commercial analysis and viability, it sounds really posh and big and <laughs> but you know we've touched on this as well and uh, it's it's part of the business case piece really um, make sure that you know what you've got that's huge for us we were merging 42 counties uh, into a single national organization and we sort of uh, you know, put my hand up, we thought, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. We'll just move to the new stuff and then the old stuff will come along and it doesn't matter too much what we've got, but it really delayed the project not having that landscape mapped out in detail. Um, so yeah, make sure you do that, that pre, pre-program planning. Um, people, that's the change uh, stream for me. So we had a, a stream with a change lead um, and, you know, make sure that people know they'll be upskilled. You're not just going to leave them in the wilderness. Um, make sure you've got your training program sorting out and, and basically your operating model going forwards for your team. Um, and that either they have the resources and bandwidth to do this or that you have partners to backfill or partners to do the work. Um, understand the impact on the people that you're affecting in your team because they may think, well, I used to always look after the storage. We don't have storage anymore. I'm going to be gone, you know, so have a real deep dive into that sort of thing and the users that ultimately will be using the system. Uh, vendor lock-in is a really, really good one. And we touched on this a little bit earlier about moving between cloud providers. Make sure whoever you move to, you've got a way to move out. Um, you know, that can be a really, really um, difficult thing for a lot of people. They think it's great. We're going to go here and it's going to be amazing. And they go there and it might be, you know, everything they think, but there might be a better offering later on and they can't move to it or certainly not easily. So make sure in your contract negotiations and your planning, everything, you've got a way out. Um, data I understand security. the cost of that, right, Carl? Uh, the cost of exit. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, trying to understand that also. Absolutely. Yeah. And make sure that's in the contract as well. You know, who's going to pay for you to move? Is it going to be free support? Is it going to be a paid, you know, all those things. Um, and we've touched on security a lot, but compliance is a big one. Obviously, GDPR this year. Make sure you know where your data needs to be. So not all data has to be in the EU. It depends on what it is. You know, so get get that nailed. Um, as Mike said earlier, security is pretty much as much as you want it to be in this cloud. In the cloud, um, we've touched on partners for the build bit. I've mentioned about having people you know help you with that experience and knowledge. But also when I mentioned the management of the cloud earlier going forwards. You might want to think about whether you need to do that um, or whether you, you could leverage a partner for some of that to free up your own IT team or resources even further. Um, so that's definitely something that we should always build into the plan as well as assessing the ongoing work required and who should do that and who's best placed to do that. Uh, program and change management, I think, is a, you know, governance wrapper that you just have to have on this one because it is a complex change. This hits four out of four of those bullet points that Darren had up on, I think, slide two or three. Um, and uh, yeah, ongoing management. We've sort of men mentioned that already. Uh, well, I did, sorry. Um, who's going who's gonna to manage it for you? Is it going to be you? Is it going to be a partner? Is it going to be a partnership? Um, yeah, that's, that's a flyby of that slide. <laughs> Carl, thank you very much. That was at speed, and there's a great deal more value uh, behind those those points. So do think about those as you're going through. Mike, have you got anything um, to add um, to that slide? Because I know you've experienced this a lot as well. Yeah, just a couple of things, I guess, to to reinforce some of the points that, that Carl makes. I think he's done a really good job of summing up the, the last two slides, actually, in terms of pre-start considerations and some of the challenges. Um, it really is amazing how many organisations 
don't know what they've got now, you know, what, what, where their starting point mm -hmm. is. So understanding and do, doing that in some depth as to where we are today, what have we got, what are the dependencies from an application point of view is a really important step to kind of moving things things forward. The one thing that, that wasn't necessarily mentioned in the last couple of slides is that of licensing considerations, particularly linked to things like enterprise agreements, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and the potential complexity, and I, I use the word potential deliberately, of being able to port licenses across the different cloud platforms. Yes. Based upon your ownership, you might have some sunk costs there that needs some consideration. Um, and I think also the, the methodology of how can I do this safely without impacting um, the day-to-day? -day? At some point, a changeover is going to have to happen. Yeah, how do we, how do, we do that? Um, with the correct contingency, so should things not quite go as we planned, we've got the ability to roll back and protect ourselves. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's really to enforce a lot of Carl's points, because I think he does a, a really good job articulating them, he's, he's lived and breathed them, but uh, just to reinforce a few and, and add a few there. Yeah, I, I agree, these are all very good points, so well done. Okay, we've got uh, just a couple of minutes uh, left uh, um, for uh, questions. So. Um, Mike, why don't you um, ask the first question and then uh, um, let's see um, who it needs to go out to. Yeah, I think it's probably best for Carl, but let's see. So, so knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently? Um, I, I suppose that really is one for you, Carl. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, um, that's an interesting one. So, you know, I, I mentioned all the dependencies piece and, you know, how you need to map that all out. So I would definitely do that differently. I've touched on that already. That's that's absolutely key. Know your estate inside out. But I think the biggest one for me was while we had a change manager and a change stream and it was all, you know, I, I, we thought at the time we were doing enough. You need to do more. And I think if I could do it again, I would probably have a slightly bigger change team with more uh, full-time support because it it really requires somebody to or people to hold the hands of individuals around the organization some need more than others and while we had a change network change champion network and all those good things I just think having some more dedicated resource there would have um, would have helped with some of the people that were you know getting quite anxious and stressed out pre-move about how it would affect their ability to do their jobs um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely, um, a big one. And I'll just add on to that as well, that we tried to do quite a lot of it ourselves. It took longer. It was more difficult. Other work suffered. So, um, I think, you know, we did try to find some partners to work with and struggled and therefore did take it long a lot on ourselves. But if I was doing it now with the experience that people will have, I think I'd probably have gotten a, a bit more help from the outside. Brilliant, Carl. I, uh, I completely agree with you there. Very often, uh, you know, project and change management is um, um, an undervalued uh, resource, and it's only after the event that um, some people can uh, can realise. So I think that's a really good point. Right, one last uh, quick question, Mike. Is the one there that's um, I'll pick the quickest one of uh, of the lot, so we can let. Uh, um, our webinar draw to a natural close. Yeah, sure. Um, where should I start? Where should you start? Wow. Well, you should definitely What's start by re-listening to the webinar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. re-listen uh, re to the webinar, and then um, if you're 
if you're still needing a little bit more help, then um, you know, reach out to, you know, uh, Mike and myself at Foundation, um, uh, you know, Mike at Foundation IT and myself at Fifth Step, and we'll make sure that we're, you know, putting you in, um, you know, contact with the right people, with the right, um, you know, skills and um, resources, you know, people like uh, Carl with the experience of Carl to actually make sure that you can get this done in the right way for your organisation. Mike, anything else that you'd add to that? Yeah, I, it's a good point. And without wanting to deter people from from reaching out, I think the other beauty, as we said earlier on, is is you can literally just set up and, and have a play. And I'd encourage anybody to experiment, right, with this stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, sure. There's no harm in in, in doing that. And, and I think it it also gives teams um, something to focus on outside of their day job. Mike, that's fantastic. Carl, thank you so much for your um, your input and uh, for pleasure. providing um, so much um, information back about uh, that uh, that very interesting engagement. That's uh, fantastic. And thank you everyone for for listening and staying on the line for an extra five minutes just for those uh, last questions. So I hope that you've enjoyed uh, today's webinar. Um, we will be posting this out, uh, as I said, onto um, onto the internet, making that available via YouTube and via podcast. So if you know anyone who would like to listen to it, that's the best mechanism um, to, uh, to download it. Thank you very much again for your time. And I look forward to you joining us the next time on the next, uh, on the next step webinar.